Welcome to Talking Tourism, the podcast series created specifically for tourism operators. Talking Tourism, the expert series, is the ultimate resource for business owners who want to lift their skills to the next level. If you want to learn how to be a better tourism operator, listen on. Hello, this is Talking Tourism and I'm today's host, Rachel Williams. Welcome. Every episode of Talking Tourism, we're dealing with a specific tourism-related topic with some tips and advice for improving your tourism business and getting ahead in the visitor economy. Of course, these podcasts are brought to you by the Tourism Industry Council Tasmania, which is, of course, Tasmania's peak body for tourism operators in the beautiful state of Tasmania. Now, is your business accessible? Is it really accessible? Does your business make it easy for those who are challenged by accessibility issues to access your site? I'm going to be joined now by Claire and Scott Crowley from the Good Scout, which is an organisation aimed at ensuring that we can close the gap for accessible travel and bringing more accessible travel options to the wheelchair travelling community. Welcome, Claire and Scott. Thank you for joining us here in lovely Tasmania. Our pleasure. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Rachel. Our pleasure. Now, Obviously, Scott is uh, sitting opposite me in a wheelchair. He uh, had a tragic uh, snowboarding accident back in 2011 while... 2001. Um, oh, 2001. I can't 17 read. years. Yep. 17 years. I can't read my own writing. No, that's all right. um, And that was uh, while uh, snowboarding in Whistler, Canada. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that transition from being a fit, healthy... Handsome young man to a handsome young man in a wheelchair. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of a challenge. Yeah. Um, yeah. So at the time I was twenty-one, and so but I lived in Canada. Did a lot of my high schooling in Vancouver, um, and so I finished my high schooling in ninety-six, ninety-seven, showing my age a little bit, and then uh, came back. So returned home. So which was Adelaide, South Australia, and I was studying a bachelor of tourism and hospitality management there. Um, and halfway through it, I sort of sick and tired of it and needed a break. So um, I went back to back to Vancouver uh, and did a ski holiday in Whistler. Um, so it's one of those things, it's just one of those days that, uh, you know, I went off a jump too high, too far and sort of landed back first on a rock. Um, I snowboarded for eight, you know, eight odd years before that, like flat out. So I knew what I was doing. Um, it's just one of those things that, uh, you know, like I put myself in that situation so I deal with the consequences. But obviously the, the challenges to overcome are, uh, you know, they're quite large. Obviously it is life-changing. Um, but, you know, I sort of picked up where, where that – well, you have to really. You don't really have a choice to, to – you can sit around and sulk or you can sort of get on with it and that's the, that's the sort of outlook that I had. And, you know, like we can either – we can't change the past um, – so we'll just go forward and make make the most of it. And so that was 17 years ago this year. Um, so, you know, and and it's one of those things that you know, I'm 39 today, actually. Today, yeah, happy today, yeah, 39. So We've got the cake um, coming for you. Yeah, so it's, 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 it's approaching almost like half my life in the chair, which is crazy to think about. Um, but if you think of the opposite, like the amount of opportunities that I've had because of being in a wheelchair, like I've had, you know, I played wheelchair basketball for Australia. I'm only five foot eight, so no one else can really lay like, claim to that. Um, you know, there's no way that was going to happen beforehand. Um, you know, I lived in, in Italy playing wheelchair basketball professionally for a season. That probably would never happen prior. Um, you know, I've travelled the world, you know, competing in para triathlon. You know, I competed at the Com- Commonwealth Games last year. So um, 
I think it's what you make of it, and and you know, if you're resilient enough and, and determined enough, like you just, it's you just, it's all systems go. And sitting beside you today, we have your wife Claire, who's also um, your business partner in the Good Scout organisation. Welcome to you, Claire. When did you uh, first meet and fall in love with Scott, wheelchair and all? <laughs> um, we were about 19 when we first met and I had always thought there was something special about Scott, but it probably wasn't until, yeah, after his accident and we spent more time together, um, yeah, that we realised that he was the one and, yeah, couldn't couldn't live without him. Okay. So you've um, got a family together, two beautiful little kids and, and now business together. You started uh, Push Adventures back in 2014 aimed at um, helping um, or being a consultant, I suppose, to the um, to the tourism and business industry about being more accessible and that's sort of grown and developed into this new business being the, the Good Scout, which is aimed more at those who are travelling with disabilities. Yeah, so if you look at the Good Scout, um, you know, Good Scout Travel, yeah, the platform, the Good Scout Travel, you know, um, .com, uh, if you look at that, look at the platform. It's 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 we use it as a way to um, and ex- excite and encourage travel. You know, you got to think that a lot of people with a disability or physical disability, um, you know, none of them are all as outgoing or as you know, forthright as as others. So um, we're trying to put excitement back in into that space. You know, and um, you know, th- there's a survey that came out last year. That you know, I think it was eight billion. The you know the physical, what's the wording here? The, no, the accessible travel yeah. market is valued at eight billion dollars in Australia. You know, so, so it's phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. So, and we're just trying to make it make it exciting, make it sexy, and 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 basically the, the, the biggest thing that's lacking is the information. So, okay. and so with the push adventures bit, like we were dealing with um, you know tourism providers, um, and you so like and you could sort of go through the steps of you know you need to make changes A B C you know customer service your physical premises and your website content, um, but then they may not take that up you know so it's really quite difficult so you um, whereas so at the minute we're sort of dealing with um, you know businesses that are accessible and promoting what's available and trying to preach what you know what changes others could make. Was there a moment when you just went hang on here? We're getting hard done by things have got to change. This is not good enough. Was there a catalyst for you saying this? What's you know? Was there one moment? Uh, there was, but it, w- it probably wasn't in relation to what we're actually doing now. So I was at work, and um, you know, because I, I lived in Italy for a little bit, all my Italian friends. So when it gets to July, August, you know, where there's sun, like European summer, they were all at the beach. Everyone, like all these people in chairs at the beach. I sort of got thinking to myself, well, why can't I go to the beach? Like I used to surf before my accident, surf and skateboard and stuff like that. So I was like, I love the beach, but I haven't been to the beach in probably like 16, 17 years. So, 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 I, tently, so I tagged every council in this Facebook post, you know, so who's going to be the first to take the initiative? Um, and then one of, the, you know, one of the members for parliament um, and then one of the local councils you know, took action and then we had a beach mat put in. Um, and just that just showed how much you can change change people's sort of lives, and you sort of take it for granted. You know, the country's surrounded by beaches, yet with that opening of that mat in South Australia, we had people that hadn't swum in the ocean in twenty eight years, like first time in the ocean in you know, twenty years. That's just like, so hard to and comprehend. it's just it is, isn't it? And so, and you have people that just take it for granted, swim in the beach every day, yet in here you have someone who would love to swim at the beach every day but can't and hasn't swum in the ocean for 20, 28 years, it's, it's massive. So, What was it like for you watching on the sidelines, Claire, being 
able-bodied and not so much being um, Scott's voice but seeing what he had to go through? Yeah, it was uh, – well, I guess I, I didn't know any different for, for a fair while there, but the beach mat is such a good example because – we didn't realise how much we'd been missing out until it was then a, an option for us again. So once it was rolled out, I was like, wow, we've missed out for 10 years. You know, we haven't been to the beach in 10 years. You know, we're very active people. We love life, you know, and the beach is, you know, it's a rite of passage being an Australian. And, yeah, it wasn't until it was rolled out that we were like, wow, I really missed this. Like, you know, yeah, we had a hole in our life that we, yeah, we didn't realise. So, um, but as Scott was saying, he, we've had so many awesome opportunities because he uses a chair. So when Scott played basketball in Italy, I was a lady of leisure. <laughs> I got to go to Italian cooking classes and, you know, learn the language and, you know, live, live the dream. Like it was yeah, a really great um, experience for both of us to have together. And the biggest thing about living in Italy is that we kind of expected the physical environment to not not be that great, but people made up for it. So they were just always so willing and, you know, able to help um, because they were probably very aware of how the environment might not have been that great, but they, you know, the people made a difference. And, and that still goes to show, you know, what we've learned from consulting and working with industry for a few years, like people make all the difference, like attitude is everything. Why has it been so slow in Australia for that attitude to, to be adjusted? Oh, I, uh, I don't know. I yeah. think, I think it's on the, it's on the, no, what's the word? It's on the change. Like, you know what I mean? It's on, it's, it's, there's a slow, People are definitely more aware, of Absolutely. They? So uh, people are definitely more conscious of inclusion. and um, But I think that that's across the board for for everyone and everything, you know. Um, yeah, across you know, all aspects of yeah, community. Yeah, you know, equal it's, rights, you know, um, um, you know, equal pay, you know. Diversity. Diversity, yeah. inclusion. Like it's, it's, they're all sort of, you know, I think there's a big sort of push to, towards that at the minute. So let's speak a bit more about the travel side of things. I know that, you know, you've got young kids, I have young kids. It can be a disaster travelling <laughs> with kids, <laughs> let alone the added complexity of one of the parents trying to wrangle those kids while in a wheelchair. How frustrating has it been just trying to do basic things that we all take for granted when we uh, go travelling? The frustrating things for me, so, so since kids, a lot of our travel's been Domestic, not as much. Domestic, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it's definitely been cut back. But it's not, you know, I've still, like, so up until last year, I was doing a lot of travel internationally with, with sport, with triathlon. Um, so that sort of has taken a back seat now. So a lot of the travel that, that we sort of undertake is, um, you know, domestic. Self-driving uh, holidays. Self-driving holidays, yeah. you know, just stuff that you can just spend time with the kids and family and all that and whatnot. So I guess the most frustrating thing for me is um, – is packing the car, you know, so like, you can pack the car like Tetris and get it all right, but then, you know, then we've got to find a spot for the wheelchair to fit in. Um, and the dog. Yeah, we've got, yeah, we've got two kids and a dog and a wheelchair, so, like, our car's pretty full when we when we go somewhere. But, um, you know, and it's gotten to a point now where we'll go places where we know it will be accessible, um, you know, years before kids and, and, and younger is just hit and hope, you know, just trial by error and you're, and you're happy to deal with what, what, you know, what the consequences were. But now I think we're a lot more calculated. We're a lot more aware of what's going on, you know, in these sort of spaces. So we try to tailor our holidays um, around, you know, I guess where I can, you know, participate and whatnot. But the hardest thing, um, you know, about being a chair is actually just the information. So it's not, you know, packing the car can be hard work. You know, I'm not really going to put stuff on the roof of the car, but 
Yep, just finding uh, accommodation that has like an accessible room, or um, you know, or an attraction that has um, you know more than just a wheelchair car park and wheelchair toilet. You know, somewhere where you can actually go and participate is what you're after. So that's the hard part: is the information. So, with your work with Push Adventures, how, how many businesses did you actually get around to and say, "Look, you need to implement these changes if you want to attract this whole new wave of visitors to your area?" that are in wheelchairs? We probably worked with about 40 businesses over the first 18 months of um, Push Adventures. But, you know, since then we – I couldn't even count how many businesses that we've we've worked with. But What do they say to you initially? What are they scared of most in terms of being able to open up to that? There's two things. One is don't send me the, anyone that has, too, like, high support needs because they're scared of, you know, that they're not quite ready to, you know, like they kind of want to test the waters to make sure that they really are accessible enough. And um, the second is probably – I've lost my train I'd of thought. I'd say cost sorry. of infrastructure. So, you know, but it's, not, it's one of those things that, um, you know, like – and unfortunately in the tourism sector, depending on how you operate, a lot of the, the – tourism providers are, you know, running off the smell of an oily rag, you know, like funds are tight, um, you know. So so if we come in and do an assessment of your of your business or your of whatever it may be, um, ideally, you know, you might be, you know, make a – put in a, you know, uh, you know, disabled bathroom or whatever it may be, but the changes don't have to be buildings and all that sort of stuff, which is quite costly. Um, you know, information to update your website is cheap. Um, you know, customer service, understanding is cheap. Um, but they're the biggest things, and a lot of people, you know, want to see, um, you know, if we're going to, you know, have this review or you know, have us through, and it's going to cost whatever, um, they want to see return on that right away. Yeah, yeah, that's um, what I was going to say. Yeah. People want to spend yeah. money to make. Money. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, you know, exactly. But you got to think that we're in an aging population, um, and what we sort of try and push a little bit is, um, you know, is the good, you know, the community sort of. Uh, well, do, yeah, do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. And so we always talk about that, you know, cha- making a change for it to be accessible for one demographic actually makes it better for multiple. So, you know, if you make, make it accessible for a wheelchair user, you're also making it accessible for a family with a pram or, you know, or your, your nano. So, yeah, if you or, think you about know, the beach yeah. mat, you know, it's a 40-degree day. No one's walking on the sand because it's too hot. So everyone's on the beach mat. And then if you have a pram and you have a bag full of beach gear mm. and kids. Challenge. of the people are walking down the ramp, like the beach mat, rather than the actual sand. So it's one of those things, you make it easy for one, you make it easy for everyone. And like this sort of tourism and that sort of, those sort of changes should be sort of seamless. They shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't draw a flag and say, this is the wheelchair ramp for everyone. This is just like, it's just the entrance for everyone. Mm. It's real inclusion then, isn't it? Yeah, seamless is the word that we love to use um, to describe, you know, when it's accessible because everyone is just going through the same um, front door, having the same experience and, you know, there's no stopping at any moment to to do something special or different for any category of people. And I'm assuming for a lot of people in wheelchairs, that's what you want. You don't want to be feeling like you're any more different than No, and and that's the thing. I've had a thousand, I could give you a thousand examples of, you know, you just want to, go for a swim at the beach and then, you know, you ask the lifeguards, can you just give me a hand getting into the waters before the beach mats and all that sort of stuff. And next thing you know, you're going down to the beach, the guy's got a siren on the little beach, <laughs> like, whoop, 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 you know, like going in a wheelchair, going swimming. It's the yeah. last thing yeah. you want. It attracts so, a bit yeah. more attention, <laughs> yeah. please. Yeah. yeah, you know, so you just want to just, like anyone else, you know, you just sort of like to go through your business and, and you know. So what is the size, would you say, of the market of 
disabled travellers that want to be able to access different things, come to Tasmania and see as much of the wilderness that they can um, from their wheelchair? Is there a big market? Yeah, there's 4 million Australians that have a disability um, and nobody or people don't generally travel alone. So I think the travel party size is 2.8. So effectively that's almost like 10 million people or something that are affected by the uh, by accessible tourism experiences. Um, and there's lots of um, – well, there's some traits around people with disabilities and how they like to travel. And so they're also lucrative because they'll travel off-peak and they'll stay longer, they, you know, and they and we all travel for the same reasons. We're not looking for different experiences. Like we, you know, if a tourism operator's created something awesome, we want to come just like the next person. So it's just that every, the devil is in the planning. Like we, you know, we need to be well prepared um, to know how we're going to participate and, yeah, what to expect so that, you know, yeah, we're not disappointed or we're not left out. Um, yeah, and just so for those businesses time. that are game enough to, as we've talked about, make that financial investment to modify or adapt or build new infrastructure, they will see reward. Yeah, absolutely. And we, so it's the chicken and the egg for us, which is, you know, why we've um, dabbled between the two businesses. So, you know, the um, industry want to see people that are going to come to their operations and the travellers want to know where they can, where the industry operations are. And so, you know, we need both like growing at the same time to demonstrate to industry that there's a huge community here, like looking for these um, experiences. But um, yeah, it's just taking a, a while to build. Um, and the report that Scott mentioned before that came out last year, it said that 25% of people with disabilities aren't travelling as much as they want because of the barriers that exist. And information, yeah, is absolutely the heart of the problem because, you know, if we can show people how they're going to access and experience, and it's up to, you know, us as individuals to decide if that's, you know, we want to put ourselves in that position or no, too hard for us, like let's move on to the next one. But it's our decision, like it's our choice. So, And I'm sure, Scott, especially with your sport, um, you hear a lot for young people with disability that they're only limited by the people and the people that are around them and how they're willing to be helped. How can these businesses, let's break it down, how can people help you? What do you actually specifically look for when you're travelling? What do you checklist do you need to tick off before you set about saying, I'm going to book at this facility yeah. and I'm going to do these side tours and adventures associated with going to that that yeah. region or that it, destination? It comes down, like Claire's already touched on, I also touched on a little bit, it purely comes down to information. And you've got to think back, say, 17 years ago, the, the internet was nowhere near as robust as what it is now. And so if I wanted to go out, go to a pub, go to a nightclub, whatever it is, I'd go out and it's like hidden hope that the access is there. Whereas nowadays you have the ability at your fingertips to sort of search, you know, um, whatever it may be, whether it's accessible, whether it's access, and then worst case scenarios you can give them a call and find out what's going on. So it's the information that are, that is around being able to do all these sort of things. And utilising the technology. So, you know, we can go on Google Earth or Google Street View and, you know, look at the, the front entrance of a venue and work out, oh, yeah, well, it looks like we can get in. You know, that's the first kind yeah. of step. And, you know, as much as we don't want it to be, it is about the bathroom. You know, you need to know where the, you know, whether the accessible bathroom is actually accessible because, you know, the amount of, well, restaurants so that we people's different uh, oh, idea of what accessible is, yeah, is it's, different. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's so not, how many restaurants have you been, you know, the bathrooms are full or whatever and you go to use the, you know, the, the wheelchair bathroom and it's chockers full of like tables and chairs and, and, <laughs> yeah, and napkins chairs. and like, change yeah. nap change tables yeah, and yeah. like, you know, excess amount of chairs from when they're busy and whatnot. So, um, yeah, a lot of it's information and, and I, you know, and that's the thing. So, 
what may be accessible for me may not be accessible for someone else. Um, but to have that information to be able to sort of make those decisions um, is sort of where we sort of step in. So how far have we got to go? Like, you know, there has been such a big campaign, you know, accessible travel with trams and buses that are easy to, to get on and off and most facilities have proper ramps and wide door space and things, but they're pretty, they're pretty basic on the periphery. When you break it down, what else does a business need to have internally to ensure that you can go and stay there the night or go and use their theatre or sport facility? Yeah, well, it's, it, I guess it's a plan, you know, to, just to have thought about it, you know. So, for example, you ring up a hotel and say, I'd like to come and stay. Do you have an accessible room? Understanding what that is. Yeah, and why, you know, why, why someone might why be asking you may, the, yeah. yeah, Why you may need, you know, a larger room, you know, to get around and whatnot. So what so else th- does it need in, within that room, though? What does a hotel that might say, right, I'm going to move two of my rooms from being general use to being accessible, what do they actually need to do to change that facility? Obviously it depends on the disability, but, like, you've got to think, and a lot of stuff that we take for granted, um, you know, so, for example, quadriplegics have limited mobility to four limbs, that's what the quads is. So, for example, a lot of them may not have hand function. So, you, therefore, you think, so, a door handle with a rounded door handle, which is you know, normal for everyone, isn't really going to work for someone in that situation. So, you know, the, the door handles, um, you know, yep, the Yeah, the space around the bed um, is really important as well. And, yeah, people with higher support needs also look for space under their beds because they might travel with a hoist. And so, yeah, the hoist sort of, yeah, um, yeah moves underneath the bed. And so that's really important as well. Bed heights, um, yeah, like the bathroom, obviously, yeah, is really important. But that's the um, thing. So we... We've looked at all of this sort of stuff and we've done a lot of travel and, and you know, you don't want to be really in the business of measuring beds and measuring toilet heights and doorways and stuff like that. It's just, it's... it's That's not fun. It's not but fun. It's, but it's important. It's not, yeah. But it's very important, but it's also time-consuming. Um, so we've looked at this technology. It's almost like, you know, the Google Maps type technology, but you use that technology for rooms, so for a hotel room. So on their website, they'd have this yeah. virtual tour. Of exactly. Rooms, so we've they? got one on ours at the minute, which is the QT Melbourne, their accessible room. Okay. And so we had one of our cameramen go through and look at, you know, so they've done a 360 view of the whole room. So you can look at the room. And the technology is so advanced that through these scans that they do of this room that they have like a measuring tool in there. So you can go, what's the width from the wall to the bed? And you can measure it in this 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 scan that's on our website. And it will tell you it's you know it's eighty five centimeters or it's a meter and a half, and then you can go to the toilet, you know, the bathroom, and you can see how how wide it is. You can actually, if you want, you can measure to see how high the toilet seat is, how high the handrails are, things like that. So, and then you know, and then the end user can make those decisions themselves. But it goes to so, but when you sort of look at places like that, you know that the business has thought about it, you know. And when they have thought about it, and you've talked about you know promotion and actually being using that information online how important is it for them to have that sensitive language as well around what they're trying to achieve because it can be some it can be hard can't it that we don't want to offend anyone but inevitably sometimes you can yeah i don't know how to answer that but like you know and again that sort of comes down to sort of customer service training you know um and there's plenty of it around um you know, and I guess it's just a lot of the people that are, that are, that sort of understand the needs of those in a wheelchair are those that who have been around people in wheelchairs. You know, if you think that a lot of the businesses that are accessible, 
um, not all of them, but some, uh, you know, they're accessible because they know someone or a friend or a friend, you know, has limited mobility. Um, so it, it does. And, and when we originally were dealing with businesses, it was we were looking at this. So the website content, like, you know, like what have you written there? Like have you – so, for example, if you go to a website and there's nothing there, obviously they haven't really thought about it. If you go to a website and you can see they have something around access, you know that they've actually thought about it. Um, you know, and you ring up and if you get like, you know, excellent customer service, you don't get – you know, shaky answers or I don't know or, you know. It's too hard. It doesn't really fit, you know, you don't, not really, you know, fulfilled with confidence to go there. So yeah. a lot of it comes down to, you know, obviously the physical premises itself is, is, is obviously quite a big thing, but customer service uh, and information are equally as important. And staff knowledge. Um, yeah, they, they need, every staff, staff member needs to understand the environment that they work in so that, like Scott was saying, if we call up on any given day to make a booking or an inquiry and you get a, you know, half an answer or, you know, or they just don't care, you just move on to the next accommodation provider. So or, people are yeah. losing out on oh, very good business. Yep, absolutely, yeah. But people are losing out on business now because they, like, they could be um, fully accessible, absolutely, you know, the whole attraction, start to finish, you know, car park, toilet, and then all the whole experience. Um, but yet they'll make no mention of that on their website and you'd have no idea. So if you were to look them up, um, you know, and well, it's one of those things, so it's the, how, having the information. There. How long will it be until we have a community where you don't even need to worry about that, where yeah, well, everything is actually, it's just a no-brainer that it is. It's always going to be, it's a, it's a tough argument because it's always going to be tough. And, you know, you think with the building regulations, you know, Every new building needs to have you know, a ramp in, needs to have an accessible toilet and things like that. But yet there's rules and policies around sort of the older buildings that they, if they don't, you know, if it's not a new building or they're just doing a reno, then they don't really have to abide by those guidelines. Well, it's not so set. It's more you just need to improve access. You don't actually need to be ac- accessible. So, yeah, it's just, yeah. So, it's, well, sorry, Scott. Um, it just comes back to people understanding why they should care about being accessible. So putting people first. And one of the things that we've learned from, you know, all the conversations we've had is that when people start to think of us as a family or, you know, not just making a change for one wheelchair user, then that's when they start to realise Ah, oh, you know, like, yeah, I'm not just doing it for one person or, the, you know, that one wheelchair user that comes, you know, every month. Like, it's for your whole family or, you know, we're like, we're pretty social. We travel with groups of 10, 12 people. So we all go where it's accessible, even though, you know, as an able bodied person, I, I could choose to go anywhere if I wanted to. Do you think it's a case of you know better, you do better? Yeah, absolutely. I, I can't think that there's many people that would have met us over the last few years that we haven't planted a seed with and they've thought, yeah, now I understand or I can I can see why I should, you know, they might not necessarily have the opportunity to make the changes, but it's definitely planted a seed. And, you know, we, yeah, we get phone calls and emails, you know, months later and they're like, ah, oh, now I know what to do with this. And we understand, you know, we absolutely understand that, you know, most tourism in, um, operators are small to medium businesses and, you know, they're just trying to do what they need to do to get by. But we just think there's so many things they can do without having to, you know, yeah, go and build another accessible bathroom or, you know, it doesn't have to be costly. There's so many little things that make a difference and, and they are noticed by the people that need them, you know, not, they don't stop other people coming, but the people that need them, they're likely to write feedback and go, oh, you know, have the best time. Like, thanks. Like so accessible. Because of what? Give me some of those little little things that are not too expensive to do that people could implement tomorrow. 
Uh, or well, today. <laughs> yeah, well, well, the, sorry, the technology is probably not that cheap, but showing people, like, so a photo, a clear photo of their entrance, clear photo of their accessible bathroom. So, you know, just sharing that information, making it easy for people to book the accessible room. You know, we often get um, hotel operators saying, oh, we don't want to put our accessible room online because other people might book it. But, you know, but we might book it, <laughs> you know, so if we don't know but, it's there. Yeah. But, we understand bathrooms aren't sexy, you know, so, but yeah. like, at least, you know, have your photos that you have on your website for 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 whatever, but then if someone does email you, I've you know I've got you know these concerns. Can you help me out? And then you have like the you know the stockpile of photos just to send them there. It is. Or just give them or to us. Or a checklist or just something. Just give like them that. to us. Yeah. And <laughs> so we want let's, them. let's talk. Yeah. Give yourselves a plug. The Good yeah. Scout. So your travel company actually puts all these the best parts of Australia in the one spot. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Give it a plug. Tell us what. Yeah, how it's going. Yeah, so we're an accessible travel platform so that whatever element you need to plan of your trip around Australia, you will find um, on our site. So whether you're looking for transport in Cairns or an experience to do with your family, everything will be in the one spot so that you can get that inspiration. You know, it's travel first, like... Yes, we meet your access needs with the information we provide, but we want people to be excited about the experience they're going to get, not just the bathroom photos. So there's so many cool things. It's like, you know, we wouldn't be here if there weren't cool, accessible things to do, but yeah, people don't know about them. So essentially we are a marketing platform for accessible experiences around Australia. And personally, Scott, what uh, travel have you got coming up then for all of your sporting pursuits? Um, well, nothing for the minute. Oh, not. Your favourite. No, I was going to. I was going to race the cans. Uh, I was going to do the half Ironman with that, but right. cans. But that's taken a back seat. So there's a race in South Australia called the Murray Man in November, which is a half Ironman. Um, so I'm going to do that oh, in November, and that ties in with a family holiday. We go to the Renmark Caravan Park, and and that you know it's all accessible for families and. Kids go berserk and love it, and we get to relax afterwards. So yeah, wonderful. And overseas travel? Any Italy? I wish. <laughs> uh, I wish. Um, no, we don't no, have any overseas. No, not at the minute. No. no, I've done a lot. With kids, it's very hard work. So, um, but what I, is I have a list of places I love to go. Yeah, but. and that's the one thing about that travel is it brings so many people from so many different areas together, and it just seems such a shame that there's been a whole not a generation lost, but there's until recently when people have actually, like yourself, stood up and talked out, people just haven't travelled because it's just been too hard. Absolutely. Yeah, that's right. But I think it's one of those things that there's like if you see someone in a wheelchair going down the mall or going down the street, it's it's normal. You know, it's not like, oh, wow, look at that. It, 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 is, it is normal. So it's just a matter of normalising, you know, that and then and I guess and sort of the other stuff that goes with it. So more beach mats around Australia. Beach what, mats. What, what are the public infrastructure? Because as we've, we've really focused on that private infrastructure of businesses that benefit from those um, tourists, but publicly what should governments be investing in? I know that there's a, an organisation in Tassie doing great things for kids with disability and, and fundraising for playgrounds and um, wheelchairs for kids to use in running events and things just like Jack. Um, what on a national political scale do we need to be looking at? I think, you know, I guess a lot of the, the transport infrastructure, new transport infrastructure is accommodating. Um, it's, the, it's the outlying areas that, that, that where people struggle, where there maybe there isn't bus routes or the buses aren't accessible and that's sort of, it's, it's hard to sort of rein all of that in. Um, on a national scale... Well, major, major events is probably something of interest because... 
Um, I'm not sure if you might have heard of it. Um, Ability Fest was a massive music festival held in Melbourne last year and it's the first all-inclusive music festival. And so um, to make it inclusive, you know, they had um, changing places facilities, which is um, like a portable a portaloo for people with high support needs and and so making for, um equipment and things like that available for people who are hosting events so that means that more people can come and everyone can can enjoy it like that little changes like that so making those things possible um yeah make a big big difference so um i wouldn't yeah i mean sporting venues they generally are pretty accessible and so that's where a lot of events are held but then there's also a lot of events in you know um like out in a day on the green you know a day on the green or wine winery um like sea and vines some would argue so, that the facilities and accessibility for anyone is difficult at events like that yeah, <laughs> yeah true yeah, yeah. Right. but there's so many um just yeah again small things that people could do they could hire um temporary um well, it is. It's like beach matting, but you know, to um, to make pathways and yeah, there's just so many things. Like you know, it could just be signage, like better signage, so that people know their way around. Or um, yeah, there's just heaps of things. Yeah, <laughs> so we've made big inroads, but there's still a lot to do. Mm. And do you think obviously you've got that sporting background? So I think sport is the great leveler that a lot of wheelchair athletes and you know, um, just thinking off the top of my head, Dylan Alcott at the moment doing great things in that tennis area. That platform that all these amazing sports people have with disability, that seems to be a a really big bonus in a way. Yeah, like, so I played wheelchair basketball with Dylan for years. And so we're old teammates and still mates and um and you know, I guess and that's and that's the sort of different you know, the, the I guess the defining part. So for example, myself and Dylan and a lot of the other wheelchair athletes have done a lot of travel, have been, you know, to Europe and and, and through Asia and stuff like that. So you can see what's possible. It's a matter of sort of, um, you know, and even through America, America do a very good job with accessibility and inclusion and things like that. So it's just a matter of sort of bringing that stuff here and pushing it here. And, you know, and, um, and I think with, you know, obviously with Dylan's platform is that he's, you know, we're starting to target, you know, big business, you know, there's advertising. So it's starting to be normalised, which is, which is ideal. And then hopefully, you know, a sea of changes will sort of take place. And like we said, we'll work towards the goal of it's inclusive for everyone everywhere. Um but you've got to be realistic about it. So at the minute, you, you know, we understand that it's not. Um, uh, and so it's just a matter of, you know, taking the positives out of what you can and, and then obviously working towards, you know, a better situation for those that you can't. So a, a lot to take from today's conversation for the future of the uh, disability travel sector. Thank you so much for your time, Claire and Scott. Happy birthday. Yeah, thank you. To you, Scott. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to speak with us. It certainly has been interesting and no doubt lots of um, tourism-related businesses across Tasmania and around the country will will take on board some of your advice, hopefully, and and small steps. Absolutely. So just have a look around your premises, um, you know, and just, you know, through the eyes of someone within a wheelchair, would they be able to do it? And, And, you know, if they can't or if they can or if they've got any questions, please look us up. Wonderful. And that is uh, through the Good Scout organisation. So, again, big thank you to Claire and Scott Crowley and thank you too for listening to this um, podcast of Talking Tourism. I hope you have got some value out of our conversation. We'll be back in a fortnight, so please make sure you join us then and uh, please don't forget to tell any of your tourism colleagues to take a listen to. I'm Rachel Williams. Thanks for joining us. See you in a fortnight. You've been listening to Talking Tourism, brought to you by Tourism Industry Council Tasmania. For show notes, other materials and episodes, head to tict.com.au. 
Be sure to come back every fortnight for a new instalment of Talking Tourism.